Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 17, please. Acts chapter 17. And verses 10 to 12 are our focus in these moments. I hope you remember that last time when we were in Acts chapter 17, verses 1 to 9, uh, the title of that message was Thessalonica, Resisting the Word. People in Thessalonica resisted the Word of God as the apostles brought the Old Testament scriptures to their city. There was a riot, such a strong resistance. This sermon's title is on the other side of that spectrum, Berea, receiving the word. Thessalonica was resisting the word. Berea is receiving the word. So let me ask you, not your wife, not your parent, not your friend, let me ask you, Christian, are you resisting or receiving the word of God? It's a very personal question. Maybe there's a lost person or two in our assembly today, someone who's not yet become a Christian by trusting Jesus Christ. Let me ask you if you're here as a lost in sin person, are you resisting or receiving God's word? This is not a parsed or a nuanced question. This is a pragmatic and a pointed question. Are you resisting or receiving the Bible? Last sermon, we saw how Paul and Silas dealt with word rejectors, those who were resistant to the Old Testament scriptures in the city of Thessalonica. And verses one to nine, we saw a few things that we can base our ministry of the word, our evangelizing of the lost around these timeless principles. Remember, the apostles in Thessalonica went to where the resistors of God's word were. First to the synagogue, and then after three Sabbaths at the synagogue, they went outside the synagogue in the greater city of Thessalonica, still ministering the Old Testament scriptures. They took God's word to where those who resisted it were, and so should we. We should not see any pocket of our city, any segment of our socioeconomic gradient that we don't take the word of God to. Old and New Testament. The apostles in Thessalonica, although they saw the word of God greatly resisted, took the word of God nonetheless to where the people were who were resisting it. And whatever they did with those people, they kept the word of God central to whatever they did. Central to their preaching, central to their teaching, central to their living. And so should we. Still in verses one to nine in Thessalonica, these apostles worked with persons who were open. The parachurch organization, the Navigators, has a core value or a way of doing ministry. They say, run with the runners. In other words, find the 
young college student who's ready to run toward following Jesus Christ fully, ready to believe and obey the scriptures and to center out those kinds of young students at the colleges and work with them particularly, not to the exclusion of the students that are resistant, but to focus time and energy and prayer on the students at those college campuses. They say, run with the runners, and that's what they did in Thessalonica. They took the word of God, the Old Testament scriptures, throughout the whole city once they got outside of the synagogue, but when they found persons who were open to the scriptures, they spent time with them. They invested themselves in those who were not resisting the scriptures, but who were receiving them. It says in these verses that we took up last week, that the apostles reasoned with people in the scriptures, explained the scriptures, provided evidence from the scriptures, and proclaimed the scriptures. So should we. Maybe you work, and the cubicle beside your cubicle is a person who shows resistance to the gospel, resistance to the scriptures. Should you just give up on them? No. On lunch break, you could take them aside and say, has anyone ever tried to answer your questions from God's word? You might be surprised. You might find out that nobody's ever gone to the lengths or the effort to reason with them about the Bible. You could say, has anybody reasoned with you about the Bible? May I? To reason with them, to take verses of scripture like gospel verses that are a good place to start for the lost person and to Explain what they mean in a way that the average man or woman understands it. Have you ever taken a Bible and from its contents about Jesus Christ proven that he is God, proven that he is the world's only savior, proven that he was crucified as a point in history, proven that he was raised from the dead bodily, have you ever done that? And the question you could ask of the person you care about is, anyone ever done those things with you? Now the result in Thessalonica when they went to where the scripture resistors were, when they kept the word of God central to their ministry, when they worked with the persons who were spiritually open, when they reasoned and explained and provided evidence and proclaimed, the result was very favorable. The result in Thessalonica was that the persons believed the word and were saved. But there's another side to the coin. When we present the word of God, reason from it, explain it, provide evidence and proclaim it, there is no guarantee that every person we do that with will believe the word of God, receive the word of God, and be saved by the Son of God, right? But we do it anyway. So there in Thessalonica, certain persons believed the word and were saved and others disbelieved the word and remained lost in sin and remained to be contentious about the word of God, contentious about Jesus Christ and contentious about his apostles. So much so that they had to be taken out of Thessalonica by night for their personal safety. And so we come to our verses for this morning, three verses, 10 through 12, and the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. 
Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with eagerness. They received the word with eagerness, not all, examining the scriptures daily, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so, to see whether these things were so. That's what makes for a noble-minded Berean, and that's what makes for a noble-minded Nasuvian. A person who gladly receives the word of God. Verse 10, they got them overnight to Berea, 45 miles away from Thessalonica. Must have been daylight enough that when they got to Berea, they went to the synagogue in Berea. And then they discovered in the city of Berea, there were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica. Because these guys received the word with great eagerness, examined scriptures daily to see whether these things were so or not. So the disturbance of the peace in Thessalonica caused the believers in Thessalonica to send Paul and Silas away to Berea under the cover of night. That's how great the threat was for the apostles to be harmed. And in walking that 45 miles between Thessalonica and Berea, I wonder what the conversation was like. Well, I don't think it had anything to do with fear or timidity. I don't think it had anything to do with changing the message. Because when they got there by daylight, 45 mile walk, they walked into the synagogue, which was their normal practice where they started to proclaim the Old Testament scriptures was in the synagogue of every city they went to. That's when they found the more noble-minded Bereans. What a compliment the scriptures give to those Christians in Berea, that they were more noble-minded. I want to be a more noble-minded Christian. (laughs) I hope that you want to be a more noble-minded believer as well. And so we have to ask, what made the Bereans more noble-minded? Well, it wasn't their smarts. It wasn't their high IQs. And it wasn't their upbringing. And it wasn't their education. And it wasn't their attendance at the synagogue. And it wasn't their rabbi. It wasn't their efforts either to keep God's law. No, none of those things made those Bereans more noble-minded. But as I've been pointing out, what made them more noble-minded was they received the word with great eagerness. Verse 11b. May I have the slide, please? This lady, Chinese lady in China, is thrilled beyond words because she's holding her first copy of God's Word. In China, it is illegal to be a Christian unless you're a Christian in quotes that's part of the three self church, the nationalistic movement of China. The three self church is not a collection of born again believers, it's not really a church. The Chinese government dictates what the pastors of the three self churches can preach and not preach. 
They can't preach the second coming of Christ. They can't preach against abortion. They can't preach that good communists go to hell. And Bibles in China are illegal. It is illegal to import a Bible into China, and it is illegal to print a Bible in China, and it is illegal illegal to own a Bible in China. So this dear lady is breaking the law of man to obey the law of God. Look how happy she is. The other ladies around here equally happy at the prospect of holding in their hands so they can hold in their hearts full copies of God's precious word. I know of stories in communist China where the house church that is thriving, undercover, they may have one Bible for 20 believers And they carefully would rip out a page from this Bible or cut out a page from this Bible and give it to her. And she would have those verses from Joshua, let's say, for one week. And take another page from 2 Peter and give it to him. And he has that page of the verses in 2 Peter for one week and so on. And then when they come together a week later, they exchange these pages of Scripture that are so dear and precious. And in many cases, the Chinese are so eager to receive the word of God that they memorize all the verses on the single sheet of the Bible that they have in their possession for one week. Jill Briscoe, married to Pastor Stuart Briscoe, who pastored in Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, for many years, Both he and his wife, Jill, are now with the Lord. But I heard her tell the story of going to China to meet meet with and to encourage the underground church. And it was all, this particular underground church was all women. And she came into this room with a table and a few chairs around the table. And she was greeted by the Chinese that spoke English and it was, when it was time to start the Bible study before Mrs. Briscoe uh, began teaching, the person who seemed to be in charge, the woman in charge, said, today is birthday party. And Jill said, I, I didn't know what that meant, so I asked the woman who said, what do you mean it's birthday party? She said, oh, if the communists burst into this room with guns, we throw all our Bibles in the closet and I've got a birthday cake I'll put on the table. Every time they met, they had to have a strategy, a plan. But the women would come to that Bible study regularly because they received the word of God with eagerness. They were more noble-minded. May we be more noble-minded. May we Hold God's word with reverential love and respect, seeing it as the precious treasure that it is. A study was done, I forget by whom. The average American evangelical Christian owns seven Bibles. The problem is that many 
of the American evangelical Christians don't read any of them Monday to Saturday. How many Bibles do you own? Pastor Jory said, if you don't own a Bible, we want to give you one for free, and we do. But most all of us have multiple Bibles. Are we reading at least one of them every week? What made the Berean Christians more noble-minded than the believers in Thessalonica was that they received the word with great eagerness. I have to ask myself, do I? You have to ask yourself, do you? The second evidence or reason that they were more noble-minded beyond they received the word with great eagerness was they examined the scriptures daily, the verse, part C of verse 11. They examined the scriptures daily. They didn't go to some little devotional book, read through it, read the little blurb, and that's good for today. They examined, they studied to the best of their abilities what the words mean in the text, how the argument or the main point of the text, and what does that do? How does that fit my life? How does the verse I'm reading today fit my life? How does it change me? They examined the scriptures daily. They found out cross-reference scriptures In one verse, they found ways that they could find other verses that link up to it elsewhere in the Bible. Most Bibles nowadays have that for you in little fine print, the cross-references. They examined the scriptures daily. The way I look at it is they didn't come to God's word with a microwave mentality. Two minutes start. They came to God's word with an oven mentality. Put the casserole in the oven for an hour at such and such a temperature. They examined the scriptures daily. Third, what made them noble-minded was they checked whether or not the teachings they were hearing lined up with scripture. I hope you're doing that. Every time... I preach every time I teach God's word or Pastor Jory or any of the other pastors of our assembly. I hope you're checking what we are saying to see if it's true, to see if the application and the interpretation we're taking out of God's word is the proper one given the context of the verse. I hope you're checking it. I am not insulted by that. I'm encouraged by that that you would take the verses that are before us in these moments and study them out for yourself and see, yes, Pastor Rob was on the mark or no, Pastor Rob was not on the mark. And if Pastor Rob is not on the mark, my door is always open, my phone will always be answered. You can tell me, please tell me. Check whether or not the teachings you hear from this pulpit line up properly with Scripture. Now, it shouldn't surprise us. In fact, we should expect that some great things happened in Berea where there were more noble-minded Christians. The results of receiving the word gladly and examining the word daily and checking on the word for accuracy of the preacher, what the end result was, the God-honoring result was that many of the Bereans 
and many of their Gentile friends believed on Christ for salvation. You see, when we receive the word of God gladly, good things happen. It's like planting a seed in the heart of our lives when we receive God's word and that seed germinates and that seed becomes a plant for good inside of us. That's what happened in Berea. They received the word of God with gladness and they found salvation in Christ and unity in their church and hope for the next life. Now I want to wrap this sermon up with two questions. Two questions. Are you a more noble-minded believer? Second question. Is Calvary Bible Church the collection of all the believers who our members and regular attenders at this assembly, is Calvary Bible Church, the incredible body of Christ, is that a collection of more noble-minded believers? May I just give you a bit of a history reminder of how this church was birthed? This church was birthed out of a pastor who was a more noble-minded Christian. Pastor Earl Weech. He was the senior pastor at Evangelistic Temple, a Pentecostal church. And as he gladly received God's word, and as he examined the scriptures daily, and as he checked on whether the Pentecostal doctrine lined up with scripture, he came to a conclusion that you can't lose your salvation. He came to a conclusion that you don't have to speak in tongues to evidence that you're spirit-filled. He was a more noble-minded pastor and Christian. You know, maybe, I hope, what he did. One Sunday morning, he stood up in the pulpit of Evangelistic Temple, and he said, I've been studying the scriptures for myself carefully, and I've come to some convictions that don't line up with Pentecostal doctrine about tongues and about eternal security or the perseverance of the saints. And therefore, since I have come to personal convictions that don't align with the Pentecostal denomination or this Pentecostal church, I resign. That was not only a noble-minded thing to do, that was a noble ethical thing to do. He said, I don't, I don't believe what the Pentecostals believe So I'll leave. I'm not going to try to force all you to change. I'll leave. That was ethical and proper and courageous. God was blessing his ministry at Evangelistic Temple. He was well regarded by that congregation and our city. It took faith and courage to stand in a pulpit and resign because he had been a noble-minded Bible student to receive the word with eagerness, to examine the scriptures daily, and to check whether or not a certain denomination, their beliefs were lining up with his understanding of scripture. And when they did it, he said, I resign. Not, not with bad attitude, not with a judgmental tone, just with a, a matter of fact, this is the way it's going to be. And he resigned. 
that night, that same Sunday night, he went to what is now Bahamas Bus and Truck for an evening service for what became Calvary Bible Church. And I'm told, I wasn't there, but I'm told there were over 400 persons at that evening service at Bahamas Bus and Truck, and so was the birth of Calvary Bible Church. So Calvary Bible Church, in our DNA, we are noble-minded believers. Our founding pastor was a noble-minded believer, and he had people surround him who were noble-minded believers who wanted to receive the word with eagerness, who wanted to examine the scriptures daily, and who checked whether or not a certain denomination's teachings lined up with scripture or not. That's our heritage. And I am standing on the shoulders of all the pastors of this church that precede me who have done the same. Noble-minded pastors. Please pray for me that God will help me to continue to be a more noble-minded pastor and stay true to the word of God in how I seek to servant lead you and to teach you and be used of God to equip you to do the work of the ministry, to encourage along spiritual growth so you more fully follow Jesus Christ. Pray for me. Please pray for me. And so are you a more noble-minded believer and is our church a collection of more noble-minded believers? Well, I think objectively to answer those questions, we need to consider a few things very quickly. Number one, are we eager to receive God's word? Involvement in a small group would indicate that. Sunday school, Awana Bible studies for women and men. We have a new men's Bible study on Saturday mornings, 8 to 9.30, men. Are we eager to receive God's word if we go across to the counseling center and the word of God is ministered to our need and our problem and our hurt? Do we put it into action? Do we believe it? Are we a more noble-minded Christian and a more noble-minded collection of Christians? Well, we better say if we see whether or not we're daily examining the scriptures. Times of personal Bible study. Are we a more noble-minded Christian or a more normal noble-minded congregation, well, then check. Check what's being preached here and taught here against your understanding of Scripture as you diligently study. There are Bible tools available online for you to study God's Word. There are Bible apps, there are podcasts, there are YouTube, things that are worth listening to. We want to be more noble-minded believers because we want to gladly Receive the word of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Will you please stand with me for closing prayer? Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, your revelation uh, to us. We thank you that we have everything you mean for us to know before we see you face to face. From the book of Genesis through the end of Revelation, we thank you that your word is true. We thank you that your word is inerrant. We thank you that your word is infallible. We thank you that the author of your word, the Holy Spirit, lives within every born-again Christian full-time. 
We thank you that we can understand the Word of God. We thank you that the Word of God is not a concealment, but it is a revelation. We pray, Heavenly Father, that we would be individual, more noble-minded believers. And we pray that in aggregate, in collection, in togetherness, we would be more noble-minded congregation and church family. Thank you, Lord, for the access that is ours to your word. As we see what the precious Chinese lady was thinking and feeling when she was handed her own Bible, may that same kind of joy and expectancy resonate in our minds and our hearts as we hold your precious word in our hands such that we could read it into our hearts. Lord, thank you for what you've done in the history of our fine church. We pray, Lord, as we continue on that same course that Pastor Earl Weech set so many years ago, that we would let your word dwell richly in us, that it would be the final arbiter between good and excellent and bad, that your word would be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, Thank you, we have Bibles to give to persons within our assembly that lack any Bible and Bibles to give to people we encounter outside our four walls that have no Bible. Lord, as we move into this new week, may your word have a central place in our spiritual disciplines. And we ask this in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake. Amen.